For 44 glorious minutes, it looked like Luton Town were going to claim the biggest scalp on offer in the Premier League this season when they went to Anfield and led 1-0. Unfortunately, it all went downhill from there and unravelled quite quickly, actually. Jimbo, the hope, did it kill you? Doesn't it always? It does indeed, yeah. We'll reflect on Liverpool 4, Luton 1 after this intro. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev and as I said before the intro I've got James alongside me as always and we're going to look back on Liverpool 4, Luton 1. I mean Jimbo, so much hope, so much sort of what could have been but ultimately the town were pretty well beaten in the end but there's no reason to be anything but proud and just rub this one off as we ran into possibly the league champions at their very best. Yeah, I think you have to really. Uh, There's no shame in it. Nobody was expecting Luton to go there and get a win. It's just that when you get 1-0 up, like you say in the intro, uh, the hope gets you. But um, yeah, they were, even in that first half when they didn't score, they were pretty good. So the second half, even better, they were comfortably the best side we've seen this season. And uh, I mean, you could argue... Argue probably one of the best sides we've ever seen play against uh, and such as the high quality at the top end of the Premier League these days. It's um, yeah, they were they were elite, weren't they? And they they showed it. Yeah, lots of changes on the Liverpool team sheet for this game, as we alluded to in the preview. They had lots of injuries, but so did Luton. Unfortunately, it was uh, apparent in Rob's pre-match press conference that Elijah Adebayo would be nowhere near the um, game, and boy, could we have done with him on the night, but. Uh, wasn't to be so an unchanged Luton 11 unchanged nine on the bench as well that went into battle against um, Liverpool and I guess ultimately that's what got us because the asking the same players to go against so soon after the Man United game which was a pretty intense game in itself an all action game to do it twice against big six clubs was always going to be a bit of a struggle yeah so it proved really um but I mean, what what else are you, you going to do when there's been injuries to key players like that? I know that Liverpool had key injuries as well to, to massive players, but the difference is their entire squad is at least international class, if not world class. And, and it showed, whereas, um, you know, Luton have a good bunch of honest players. But if you get your top scorer out of the game, uh, that's going to be a bit of a bother to start with. And then... Um, yeah, obviously with the defensive, um, lack of defensive options at the moment and I suppose midfield, having the two quality players that you've got in the centre part, centre of the park, playing them almost seems like a given, doesn't it? But um, as it proved, we're sweating on that one now. So it was, um, yeah, I, th- I, I, I think that they, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because they deserve to start again in any normal football world you just play that second 11 again but when you're playing Liverpool 
as we've seen, then it's almost like a different sport, isn't it? So it's very, very tough. And um, they are fit, the Luton players, as as shown by their goal-scoring record in the last 15 minutes of games. But they they they, they were just outgunned, weren't they? Outgunned and outclassed, really, and there's no shame in it. No, there really isn't. I mean, a lot of people said to me in the time that we recorded the preview podcast at a time of kickoff, oh, Luton will never have a better chance of beating Liverpool and I'm like, come on now. And then you saw the team sheet. It's that you've got a front three of Luis Diaz, Cody Gakpo, Harvey Elliott, two internationals and one who can't be far away from being an international. And an all-international midfield three is still not a bad side. And um, they came out of the blocks as well, to be fair, didn't they? Luis Diaz should have scored, but didn't get enough curl on a left-footed effort. Cody Gakpo almost made something out of nothing. Thankfully, it was straight at Thomas Kaminsky. And you kind of thought... Oh, this is a this is going to be a storm that that needs weathering, which we didn't obviously do against Man United on Sunday, but this time we did do. We got through those first ten minutes, not without a hair, bit of a hairy, scary sort of moment. But Ted and Mengi was peak Ted and Mengi, and um, keeping Diaz as quiet as he could do, and and then eventually, once we'd weathered that storm, we kind of got into the game. Alfie flashed across, just what I think it was across, hard to see from the other end, but. Um, just wide of the post. Maybe if Elijah was around, that sort of six-yard box, six box hunter would have been somewhere in the vicinity to maybe tap that in. But we weren't left to sort of rue that too long because it was only a couple of minutes later or so that Town made the most from a from our own throw-in, actually. Um, Alfie into Corley Woodrow. Brilliant hold-up play from Corley Woodrow. I know it was Kwanzaa that he was up against and not Kanate, who was on the bench, but... Even so, he held him off. There was no way that uh, Kwanzaa could get around him to get any sort of touch on the ball. And then it was, could could he find a, a runner or someone in space? And he did. He found Chong, who hit a brilliant shot. Keeper, all the keeper could do was sort of parry it wide, but up in the air. And there's Liverpool fan Chio to uh, nod it in in front of the cop. And it, it was just a brilliant moment. I mean, we had that Chong moment in the home game. And this was every bit as brilliant. The only... The only slight tinge was if it was the other end right in front of the Luton fans, it would have been fantastic. But for Chio to score in front of the cop, fair play to him. And you were like, oh shit, what have we done here? <laughs> but brilliant, brilliant moment. And, you know, a cracking move rounded off with a lovely finish. Yeah, it was. It was, you know, for all their chances and stuff, if they're not going to put them away and you go and score with one of your few ones, then that's that's classic away day um, cup upset almost I know it's the same division but it almost feels like you have to have one of those days that, that cup upsets are built on to, to beat a like Liverpool and at that stage it it was all going very swimmingly to plan it's the second time in consecutive matches isn't it that Chong's had a shot and it's deflected onto a onto a Luton head after Morris's goal at the weekend against Manchester United um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean you've got to enjoy those things haven't you? I mean I've uh, you were in the crowd. I've since they've they've since put out the video of just the crowd when the goal went in, and two uh, two thousand five hundred of you are going absolutely bonkers, and that's what you live for um, in football. Um, and you've got to enjoy those moments as 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 we enjoyed what seventeen minutes after Chong scored in the reverse fixture at Kenworth Road, and it's sort of like. Uh, that was closer, obviously, to a scalp than this one. But you're thinking, why? Why not? If uh, if you can score one, maybe you can get another. But 
they um, they were exceptional, weren't they? Really, in in the second half, and you know, but for a couple of very good Kaminsky saves and things like that, then maybe it could have been more. I'm glad it wasn't because I, I think Luton tried and they gave as good as they possibly could. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that is that was some performance from them. Um, and you just got to hold your hands up sometimes and say, you know, wow, that was amazing. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the celebrations. And then a couple of minutes after you stopped, you know, when you stop celebrating, you look up at the clock and it says 14 minutes. You're like, oh my God, this is going to be the <laughs> longest night yeah. that you've ever had because you knew exactly what was coming. And um, I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't say Kaminsky was overworked in the first half for the remainder of the first half. Let's be honest, the remainder of the first half was still played in our box or sorry, in our half. Yeah. Um, but you wouldn't say Kaminsky made a save that he wouldn't be expected to save. He caught a couple of long range efforts. He kind of shepherded a couple sort of just wide of the post from Diaz in particular. Mengi was controlling Diaz every time. Every time Diaz looked a threat, he would be touch tight to him, aggressive, forcing him back. And when Diaz did get in behind him, he recovered. There was one sliding Slide, tackle yeah. in particular right in front of the Luton fans. And he celebrated it right in front of the Luton fans as if he scored and he got like a standing ovation. He was absolutely brilliant in that first half. And um, we tried to play our football all the time, didn't we? That's what That was what impressed me. We went to Anfield. A lot of teams would have just whacked it long just get it get it away from our box we're winning we've got something to hang on to you know let them build up and everything else but we didn't we kept on playing we kept on sort of using the possession there was that one time in the first half wasn't it where McAllister was all over Sambi Gakpo was coming from the other side and Sambi was like no 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 that was exceptional wasn't it yeah just keeping his balance almost on the ground at one point and then getting away from both of them um it's everything we said about Sambi in the previous podcast and probably many podcasts before and that the the guy is absolute quality and yeah he showed it and it's um yeah now we're sweating on on the rest of the rest of his uh, season aren't we so fingers crossed on that one yeah we really are because uh, he is a massive massive um talent and a fantastic footballer who would be getting every piece of the Ross Barkley plaudits if Ross Barkley wasn't there. He was also enjoying himself in that first half. In fact, those the two of them, while not dominating that Liverpool midfield, a lot of the time Liverpool cleared their midfield, so the goalkeeper was going straight to the attackers so that Barkley and Lukonga were out of the game as they possibly could be. It's very similar to what Anana was doing on Sunday, actually, waiting for the runners to go on our defence and then just launching the sort of 60-yard pass over to Elliot or Diaz or, or Gakpo or whoever it was who got free. And I guess that in itself is testament to not just those midfield two, but the respect that Klopp paid us, as he alluded to in his pre-match, when he basically said we're one of the best promoted teams that he's seen and the transitions that since we played them in the last game has been incredible. When I heard that, I was like, oh, that's really nice. And I thought, oh, shit, that means he's got not going to take us lightly whatsoever. And he didn't. And well, it was just, it was just like, how long can we repel this for, really? Yeah, it means he, he had Luton's number, really, didn't it? But it's, no, it's no surprise. And again, you're going to hear a lot of there's no shame in it. And that's because of how good they are. But they've, um, as we pointed out previously, they've only lost one league match in 54, which is astonishing. Van Dyke's only lost one match at Anfield in his entire career. In his last six games, he's never he hasn't lost a duel. <laughs> that 
that that's how dominant they are. Um, and so to, you know, take that into account about what Luton are doing and, uh, and uh, take them, it, it does show a lot of respect, but they are exceptional and particularly exceptional once they go behind that game um, at Anfield. It's now 22 points that they've recovered from losing positions, the most in the league. And it's just, it just, yeah, I think Ed, Rob Edwards got it right, didn't he, when he said you've made them angry, really, because um, the second half felt they were very, very angry. Yeah, I thought the only thing Luton did wrong in the game was scoring the 12th minute and then the 92nd minute. If we could have kept them asleep, or as asleep as they were, they weren't really asleep, but as, as quiet as they were for a bit longer, then who knows. But yeah, we kind of poked the bear, didn't we? And, and it came up raging, and uh, particularly in the second half. I mean... The obvious turning point in the game, and I don't think it would have made a great deal of difference. It might have kept the score a wee bit closer, but the obvious turning point in the game is Sambi's, uh, Sambi Lakonga going off at half-time injured. It sounds like a lower hamstring, not actually a full-blown hamstring. So we're kind of hopeful that it's not as bad as it was the last time he'd done that. I think Rob did say in his post-match that it's a different injury. So that would suggest that could be okay because... Boy, do we! This game has no significance on our season whatsoever. Four-one defeat or any of that, but it does do if this boy misses league games. Yeah, it really does. Uh, uh, particularly because before, when he was out, it was Barkley and Nakamba, uh, and Nakamba's out. Although some videos he's put on social media suggest he might be coming or on his way back, which is you know great and hopeful. Fingers crossed. It more hope that's. Yeah. Essentially killing us. I mean, you go under the knife for a knee up and then you're in a boot and crutches for a while. It says to me that you're, not, you're going to be out for some time, but who knows? They're these ultra fit athletes that, that, that could come back. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, he's going to be needed if, if that's the case, but it, it just means looking a bit more bare bones, really. We've talked before about having almost the full squad to pick from and they've got good options off the bench. It probably means that. Um, Pelly or Clark have to come in and play centre midfield with Ross Barkley if that's the case. So, um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's fine. I, I, you'd probably go Clark over Pelly at the moment, um, just just because his like forward ability and his touch is a lot more refined. But the Pelly does give you the energy. Um, I mean, we're talking about things that we don't know yet, really. So, just fingers crossed on Sambi. Hope he can come back. I don't think you'll see him against Man City. Um, I'm just just rest him anyway. I think if it's, if it's a problem, you don't want anything to to flail uh, to come up on on that. But yeah, I mean, I think it's too simplistic to say because Sambi went off then opened the floodgates. They were just very good anyway. They were winning the ball back in Luton territory, forcing mistakes. Their press, we think Luton's press is quite good and aggressive. Theirs was unbelievable and. Um, we, we, their defenders must be have a cigar on most of the time because mainly the attackers doing all the attacking and most of the defending. Uh, it's, it's incredible. Um, it's it yeah. Maybe it's good to see and maybe it's a learning point. Um, as most games in the Premier League are probably going to be for for Luton or should be to 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 show what what good looks like. Well, Ed um, Rob Edwards said in his press conference, didn't it? The boys got to see what elite looks and feels like. I think that's important if you think in smaller microcosm about how a number of Luton players have stepped up probably when they've seen the likes of Sambi and Ross Barkley doing what they do. 
why why I don't think that that would be a surprise if Luton take that on board and um you know a bit of a sponge like attitude to what they saw and experienced even though it was a defeat probably lots to learn from it but even in the first half Luton Luton were losing being forced into errors that most other teams probably don't do as much or as relentless as Liverpool and um you know it's they were probably surprised that they didn't score in the first half and then we'll know what happened in the second. I mean, you said earlier in the podcast that it's like a different sport when you play Liverpool. Well, it was like a different sport in that second half. I mean, it's like someone pressed the fast forward button. They were just, I don't think I've ever seen a football team play against Luton like that for 45 minutes. That's the best I've ever seen. And when you couple it in with everything that was going on, I mean, the noise was unbelievable, particularly once they equalised. It was like, I don't know how anyone in Liverpool got to sleep because the noise was outstanding. I mean, I was with my sister. She was standing almost shoulder to shoulder with me. We were talking and we had to literally shout at the top of our voices to hear each other. And we're right next to each other. That's the kind of noise that was being created around us. Unbelievable sort of stuff. And yeah, the game got away from us quickly. But let's put this into perspective. We're a new side in the Premier League, recently promoted. Man United went there last season and it unravelled very, very, very quickly. They lost seven, don't forget. Go back a few other seasons and I think Jurgen Klopp referenced this post-match. Barcelona went there with a 3-0 lead from the first game and even they unravelled and um, got knocked out. So if Barcelona and Man United are going there, as much as I love Luton, you know, we're quite capable of unravelling spectacularly as well but we certainly didn't go as badly as that and also well, also did you mention that example Luton obviously got caught out napping a bit on set pieces for the first two and well Barcelona got caught napping in that semi-final when they came back well, that's probably one of the greatest games they've probably ever played and that short corner from Trent Alexander to Divock Origi that turned it around it's I mean they've been doing it for years and to to huge, huge size, but it is still frustrating that that you can't switch off a split second. Um, it, it, yeah, it's it's really tough because it, it's going to take them a toll, really, isn't it? On you know, if if you're getting run around and on the legs, it's going to be pretty hard when you haven't got the ball. It's always the old adage that it's tougher when you haven't got it and you're running around, but. Then on the brain, if you have to be constantly, constantly on it all the time, you can't ever have a breather. It used to be like if you whacked it into the rose edge, you could have 10 seconds to establish, uh, to recompose yourself and stuff now. But you've got ball boys on the side throwing balls to to defenders and um, and attackers and they're going again and it just it's just relentless. And um, it was, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's not the result and the second half anyone wanted to see, but you really have to admire what they did. Yeah, once they get going and they, and it all sort of lights up, you know, they take apart bigger and better sides than Luton in quicker fashion than that. So, um, yeah, I'm not disappointed at the way it turned out. I'm proud of the fact that we went there and led for 44 minutes. I'm proud of the fact that we played our way. We didn't get sucked into just walloping it and try, you know, parking two banks of five and saying, come and break us down because they'll have done that piece of piss, no problem. Um, we tried to do the right things. Trying to do the right things against Liverpool. Whatever you do, really, you're not going to come up on on top. But the next away game that we have, Crystal Palace, when we try and do the right things against Crystal Palace, 
then it's it's going to be a whole lot easier because we're not playing against a team anywhere near as relentless or ferocious as that. So long term, I think the second half, like you said earlier, we will learn from it and we will take so much from it. The only tinge of disappointment is it's a corner and a quick throw in that's done us. You know, if if Diaz has pinged one in from 30 yards or Elliot scored the goal that he scored for the fourth one or whatever, then fair enough. But a corner where we kept Van Dyke quiet. I mean, they had, I lost count of the amount of corners they had in the first five minutes, let alone the first half. <laughs> it was like every single time they put the ball down, it was a corner. But Mengi kept Van Dyke quiet in the first half from all of them. Yeah. And then the first one in the second half, they get him blocked off. Van Dyke's got a clear run and... I mean, we've all seen Virgil van Dijk score many a goal uh, in his career and you kind of knew once he got the clear run where that ball was ending up and then we made the Townsend substitution ahead of the throw-in. We're probably not quite set. Like you say, the ball boy's throwing the ball to the guy. It's in before it's gone out pretty much. And then, you know, I think it's McAllister who gets in behind Chong Mm -hmm. who fizzes a crossover. Unlike on Sunday, this time I am certain that Gakpo meant the header and... uh, past Kaminsky before you could blink and all of a sudden in the space of what was it 100 and 150 seconds we've gone from hope to please don't let this be a cricket score <laughs> yeah and it wasn't um <clears throat> and you have uh, Kaminsky a lot to thank for that in the second half the it, save he made shortly after yeah, from Van Dyke again it was Van Dyke same sort of thing wasn't it from the corner and another great great block um I mean he's worth Luton haven't got that many points, obviously, but he's worth quite a lot of them because, um, uh, you know, if you're coming up against these big sides, you're gonna you're gonna have to either weather some storms or face some shots, and none more so than Liverpool. I mean, they were they were taking them from long range and weren't quite having the joy, and then that's the sort of thing that gives you a bit more hope as well, isn't it? Because you do have to be you know, hit a really good shot to beat Thomas Kaminsky from distance. And if they're not even getting on target, which some of them weren't in the first half, then you're like, well, keep doing that, lads, and we'll, we'll try our best to cope with it. But yeah, that getting getting in behind, like for the second one, um, it's, you know, it's the sort of stuff you get taught when you first start playing football, isn't it? Um, that you can't be offside and switch on and that sort of stuff. And it just, it was just lightning. So, yeah, it was disappointing. I, I can understand why people um, uh annoyed or frustrated, probably is the better word, by getting done at set pieces and defensive lapses. But you only have to put, look at the example that you just pointed out there that they've been doing that to the world elite foot, football clubs. And um, yeah, it's, it's it's a tough one. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have to score a couple to beat Liverpool. I feel. And um, <clears throat> didn't really get any closer. Uh, yeah, certainly not in that second half. Yeah, no, heads didn't drop in in the second half. That would be wrong to say that. But body language was a little like we're going, we're running out of steam here, and the game's getting away from us. And we tried our hardest to stay in it, and you know we stayed in it for another fifteen minutes while it was two one. Like you say, you got a chance. You could always get a second one. As it turned out, we didn't have no chances in in that sort of time period. And then, you know, who comes off the bench? Andy Robertson, just one of the best left backs in world football, certainly in the Premier League. And uh, he and um, Luis Diaz get an overload down our right channel. Mengi doesn't know whether to go with Diaz or the run of Robertson. He chose the run of Robertson as the biggest danger and Diaz just went past him. Fired a shot into uh, the top corner. 
And then from 3-1, it very much was just limits limit the damage as much as you possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. It's um yeah, it's disappointing for Mengi in particular. He had such a fantastic oh, three. It was so good. I, I was occasionally group uh, chaps were popping up that were seeing him calling him Ted Beckenbauer and that sort of thing. And he was really fantastic. There's a wonderful stat I saw from um Y Scout that said about under you know, played players aged uh, twenty one or less uh, with the most blocks in Europe's leagues and he's in the top five or joint fifth. That's pretty incredible. Seems he didn't start the season. Um he he has been absolutely fantastic and um he's really taken to, to the Premier League. Uh, considering we thought he'd be sort of a backup perhaps or maybe a long longer term prospect and he's he's not that now he's he's firmly um starting material so um yeah it was disappointing for him but yeah it was um yeah that was clinical i suppose uh, he, he did have chances didn't he Diaz? the thing if you give these people too many they're eventually going to take one but it's the it's just the challenge that you've you're facing when you're playing someone like Liverpool. It it wasn't necessarily there. Maybe at Kenworth Road. Maybe they took Luton lightly. Maybe it was the Kenworth Road effect as opposed to the Anfield effect the other night. Um, potentially, um, but I think we might have to steal ourselves for a bit more of this when you go to the top six at their places, because you know it's been close at Kenworth Road, but that that's where they really do damage, don't they? And um, yeah, it, it, there's a few more of those to come up, unfortunately. But like going to Anfield, like Liverpool, that's not where the season hinges. No, and like the teams around us, we haven't conceded five. And uh, I think Sheffield United still got to go there. And if they catch them on a similar night, I mean, that could be any number that you want, really. Because um, we've all seen how they how they defend and things. To be fair to us at 3-1, we had a couple of, not sniffs at goal, but got ourselves into areas where we could have created something on a different night and then there was an unfortunate incident wasn't there where the linesman takes an absolute day and a half to put the flag up as Barkley plays Doughty through on goal and as Doughty puts the ball across I, I think it was Quanta comes flying into him seems to sort of take him out, out take him out a little bit he certainly was limping away from the challenge maybe if the linesman had put his flag up straight away the referee could have whistled and stopped that from happening that's an annoyance of a lot of coaches I think um, that could also be significant although he did come out to sort of applaud the fans and everything after the game Alfie and you wouldn't have thought they'd let him do that if he was too serious so hopefully that's okay because we're sure as hell going to need Alfie Doughty for the uh, remainder of the season as well um, yeah I mean on that one, I saw a, a good uh, Twitter post, but I forgot to note down the person who wrote it. So apologies about this. This is all you rather than me, but I thought it was very uh, a good point, which I hadn't really considered before. It's this new law where the line knows don't put the flag up until the, the passage of play is over or the ball goes out. Well, on that occasion, and maybe on many other occasions across football and other leagues and other teams, that's resulted in Doughty getting that, injury whereas if you put the flag up as soon as it's offside play stops and he doesn't get that injury it's all ifs and buts of course but I don't understand that law I don't really who who's it benefit because it's not you can carry on playing for as long as you like uh, and ultimately I suppose if somebody scores a goal and then it gets ruled out it's annoying that way but everything that happens after that point he's offside he's offside and there's no point playing extra moves and passages just to 
put it back. So it's a really frustrating on that. And hopefully, yeah, it's not going to be too bad um, for him. It kind of felt like a, one of those ones that we've probably all done playing football is almost like a block challenge and you've just kicked the ball and you, you haven't gone anywhere and you haven't moved anywhere. So it just sort of knocks you back and jars your, your ankle or something like that. And uh, you know, I think hopefully that's not a serious one. If it's if it's just something like that, then I think that's recoverable. If it's ligament damage or something, then we're in bother. Yeah, I mean, it's only a 10-yard pass that Barkley played to him. It wasn't like it was a 50 or 60-yard pass where Doughty's out of the linesman or the ball's out of the view of the linesman when the ball's played. It should all have been in his peripheral vision. So he should be getting that offside right. I mean, it wasn't a difficult one. He was offside, Alfie. I, I was pretty certain from where I was behind the goal that he was offside. I certainly wasn't surprised when the flag went up, let's put it that way. Um, so, yeah, the linesman could have done that a lot quicker. I, I really don't think that that was a difficult offside decision and, you know, it might have saved it, it might not. The referee might still not notice the flag, who knows. But, you know, sometimes in them situations, certainly in that part of the game as well, where I think everyone was resigned to the fact that the result was done and dusted, mm. um, we could at least get away with some injuries. Townsend had a free kick. There was another one that was nearly um a corner that just got deflected over and things like that we huffed and puffed and credit to us I don't think we deserved the fourth goal against us I thought we put up more of a showing than that Liverpool probably did deserve the fourth goal to be fair to them but I still thought the scoreline was a little bit harsh on us but Harvey Elliott did deserve a goal because that was a brilliant performance I mean that performance last night was a 10 times better performance than the one Salah put in at Kenilworth Road in the exact same position. That's, that's the only credit I can give to him, really. Obviously, we played against him before when he was at Blackburn. Um, again, Ted Menke, he's saved what looked like a certain goal, or so we thought, only for the ball to unluckily rebound to Elliot. And, you know, they don't hit the middle of the goal, do they? These that, That's the one thing I noticed last night. They When they score... They don't hit the middle of the goal. They're the top corners. So even if the goalkeeper's there, he's got little chance of saving it. And that was the case with Kaminsky. Whereas sometimes other teams, lesser teams, the ones that we play against, I mean, not I'm not criticising us for this, are just happy to get the ball on target. And if it goes in, it goes in. But this lot of picking out the top corners, it's almost like they cut circles in the net at the top top corners of the net and they've got to put it in there kind of thing, like one of them fairground things where, mm-hmm. you, where you get a goldfish at the end of it. And that's what he did out of Kaminsky's reach with pace, with power. And yeah, he was brilliant and that capped off his performance. But I did think it was a little harsh on us. Yeah, it's, it's true in both senses, isn't it? I mean, Liverpool you know, were well worth the goals. They had created that many chances, but it's harsh on Luton because they, you know, tried so hard, defended very well. But And that, that goal is a case in point because it was a great uh, interception to, to deny that. But then the second ball falls perfectly for Harvey Elliott, you know, on the penalty spot almost, isn't it? And then um, I think he, he, I think he's an exceptional talent, that kid. And, I, you know, we've talked numerous times from our own perspective about why players aren't getting in the England side. And I think that that's a, it's a crying shame that he doesn't. I think he's um, a really exciting prospect that from the outside anyway seems to have got better and better. Um when he's had the chance anyway. I mean, he's obviously got world-class players playing in around him, but I think that finish says everything, doesn't it? It was, it was completely unerring. And, um, and his, yeah, I think it was his 100th appearance as well, I've, I've since said, so fair play to him in that regard. But yeah, it was a bit, just, it just feels a bit harsh after all the effort, doesn't it? But 
that's the that's the ruthlessness that you've got to have to be where they want to be, which is challenging on all fronts. And currently, they are obviously that that moved them four points ahead at the top of, of the league. They've got a chance for the league cup at the weekend. <clears throat> Favourites for Europe, the Europa League, and then who knows in the FA Cup, which obviously we're, we're still in. So <clears throat> yeah, they they they. I think it's safe to say that they blew Luton away with with that second half performance. And you could tell really by um, Klopp's reaction at the end, couldn't you? Because I don't think he does that all the time. I mean, it seems like he does because they win a lot. But I think that they felt that because 44 minutes being behind to Luton is a long time to be behind Luton, even if many of them probably expected to come back and do to get something which is fair enough because they they have that track record but um while there's a, almost a bit of doubt then the relief comes out and that's probably why the noise ramped up a lot after the first goal in particular and then the second one obviously coming so close they they you know in football don't you that they'd broken that resistance at that point and then it's then it's how many can you get to try and get more goals and goal difference which could be so crucial at the end because they've lost the title a couple of times on just a point here and there haven't they yeah more importantly though it didn't do us too much damage I mean not many teams down the bottom are going to go there and not concede and you not lose by three I know Burnley went there a couple of weeks ago and lost 3-1 but generally teams that are down the bottom are going to go there and they're going to lose by at least three I think Brentford lost 3-0 there so um, and I, I think Forest and I think I'm right in saying Forest and Sheffield United have still got to go there. Um, so, you know, it's just one of those nights, really. I think Rob said it, didn't he? We felt the full Anfield experience in the second half, and we did. And it's fine if we learn from it. You know, we won't have been in that situation before. There's no championship uh, environment that comes anywhere close to that. There probably isn't another Premier League environment. St. James's Park would be the only one. Um, but even then, he just, I, I don't know whether it was because we were pitch level, whereas at St. James's Park, you're on the moon. <laughs> but the noise still felt a lot louder last night. And I can, you know, everyone's, I see a lot of people, and I, I don't mean this because they, they weren't there, but people who weren't there on social media, and they've said, you know, oh, we shot ourselves in the foot and this and the other. I really don't, if you weren't there, I really don't think you can appreciate how loud it was, how speedy, how quick, how how everything was from a Liverpool persuasion there. I mean, as I said to you, I, the fact I couldn't even hear my sister who's right next to me, how's a footballer supposed to hear another, how's Rob supposed to get instructions onto a pitch from 40, 50 yards away from certainly players on the far side with all that noise going on? We We just haven't experienced it. So if we can learn from that, if we, if, if we can do something that the next time it comes around, and I'm not even sure if there is a next time, to be quite honest, maybe when we go to Arsenal, maybe if we catch them on a bad night, they'll be quite noisy. City doesn't tend to be noisy, does it? That's that's always full of day trippers, that one. Tottenham would be possibly another. So there's only maybe two more that it comes. But for those games, if we can learn from last night and take something from it, then that's a positive. But ultimately, we just got beaten by damn 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 good team who may well I don't know if they will be but may well be the league champions this season but I'd wager they're definitely in the top two <laughs> yeah they're definitely that I mean if they don't win something this season it would be astonishing that they um, they they are that good 
Um, and you're right about the, the speed of things. I, mean, I remember, I think it might have even been the Tottenham game at home, having only watched Premier League football largely on the telly. And then to see it in, in front of your face live and the way that Tottenham was zipping the ball about with such speed and accuracy, you're like, Phew, I really wasn't expecting that. Something about the telly experience, which doesn't really give you it uh, as the live one does. <clears throat> and Tottenham are, you know, some distance away from uh, Liverpool in, in terms of quality. So, um, yeah, to, to, to see that is, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing, nothing more but than impressive really. It's, it, I think it, it's got to be a learning experience and I, I can't see why it wouldn't be judging by everything that Luton have done in this division so far. If you're getting Jurgen Klopp in the pre-match press conference and I, I don't think he was, it was just empty platitudes of saying they're one of the most, um, they've, they've had one of the most, the best developments in a small space of time. <clears throat> We've talked about it on many podcasts. Um, so it, for, for Jurgen Klopp to be saying the sort of things that we've been seeing with our own eyes is, you know, just testament to, to everything that these players and, and, and Rob and his staff have been, um, you know, instilling in, in this club and in, in this, in this squad. It's, it, it, it is remarkable. But then you come up against a team like Liverpool on a night like that and you go, bloody hell, there's still a long way to go. Um, if, if Luton are going to be, remember when uh, Gary Sweet was saying Luton could win the Premier League, <laughs> uh, when, when that, <clears throat> power court got, got approved a few years ago, five years ago. Um, <clears throat> you've got a long way to go <laughs> before that. Definitely. For now, we're just trying to stay in the Premier League, and uh, you, you've just got to separate nights like that from from the real task at hand, which is beating the teams and around you. Yep. Ignore the result. Just remember the fact that for forty four glorious minutes, we had potentially the best team in England, not on the run, but they were behind us. In fact, I don't know if you've seen the video um, that's doing the rounds on social media of. Uh, the American Champions League um, show last night and they have Thierry Henry, Michael Richards, Jamie Carragher as their pundits and um, they're obviously they're doing some some sort of whatever they're doing either pre-match or um, yeah it must have been pre-match mustn't it and uh, Michael Richards is like can we just stop the show for a minute because I've got some breaking news <laughs> and he turns to Jamie Carragher and he says in the title race it's Liverpool nil Luton one and Jamie <laughs> Carragher's face is like just drops completely and Michael Richards is absolutely loving it. Obviously we'd just taken the lead at that point or whatever it was, but get that video, download it onto your laptops and everything. And just remember that for 44 glorious minutes, Luton town went to Anfield. Bearing in mind the last time we went there, we were, we were being five nil and it wasn't even a contest at any stage. Um, and never won there, by the way. Never, ever never, won, never there. won there. For 44 glorious minutes, we had hope and we were dreaming of what might have been. And ultimately we end up putting our hands up. We were beaten by a damn, damn good side, but we gave it everything that we could. And that's all we can ever, ever, ever ask of these boys. A couple of quick positives before we finish, James. I mean, we've spoken about Ted Mengi, who's an absolute colossus last night. But I want to speak about a couple of fringe players. Corley Woodrow, in particular. It looks like we might need Corley a little bit more than what we were hoping in light of the Elijah uh, injury news. Brilliant hold-up play for the goal. Generally put in a decent shift couple of defensive clearances which were particularly key in that first half as well uh, probably still not fully sort of 90 minute match fit yet because he just doesn't play 90 minutes very often so he went off after 65 minutes no sort of 
disrespect him or any anything like that. I mean, he's on a booking as well, which might also have sped up the process of him going off. But I thought he had a really good 65 minutes. I'm slightly surprised that he's at the focal point of not Morris with Woodrow in behind. But, I mean, that's how Rob sets it up, and that's absolutely fine. But I thought Woodrow performed pretty competently, admirably, actually. I think he did. I see a, a lot of undue criticism of him, uh, really. He's had a very injury-hit uh, time at Luton. Um, he wasn't called a marquee signing for nothing when he came here by Nathan. He is a very good finisher, as we saw with that goal in Norwich, which we always talk about. Um, the touch to get him in that space and, and then finish. Um, and he's he's a clever footballer. I don't think his deployment as a number 10 did him any favours when he first came as well. So when he was fit, Nathan wanted was determined to try and turn him into a number 10. I know that's a number on his back, but he's a forward, not a, not that. I mean, he can, he can do the role, but Luton have got better players that can do it. Um, so... Yeah, if you give him time, give him games, I've no doubt that he can be useful. Uh, he's played against side alongside Morris uh, for Barnsley, so so we know he knows all about that and how to partner him. And it's just that you know Morris's form last season was such so exceptional, um, and Elijah's form in this season, and now Morris as well, who's picked up since just before Christmas, um, means that he's had to be on the bench but he, he's pretty good he's um uh, you know whether he's whether, whether he's the solution or the answer will remain to be seen but he's going to play a lot more so we're going to know a lot more of the answers aren't we yeah of course not just whilst Elijah's out but it looks like Jacob Brown's out much longer as well so um he'll probably be the first attacking cab off the rank um even when Elijah's back so good to see Corley do well the other person I thought had a really good game was Tahith Chong um, we've spoken about the part he played in the goal um, but he tried to get on the ball as much as possible in that first half and when he did get on it he drove at the defence which is all we can ask for he uh, got a ball wide to Alfie for that one that Alfie flashed across goal stroke cross to the back post or however it was he generally went he generally went okay really and he was honest enough after the game he just said you know we they stepped it up in, in intensity and we couldn't match it Um I think largely that was because we played Sunday tea time in an epic game and mm. they obviously had 36 hours or so uh, on us, not that they needed it. And, um, and and they had a stroll in the park really as well for their game, didn't they? So, you know, all these little things go against you. But um, yeah, I thought he was very good and I think he has been for a couple of games now. Well, we wanted him to dictate the game from the start or impact the game from the start, didn't we? We were always really full of praise of him when he came off the bench. But whenever he started, we were always left with that little bit of sort of, we'd like more. Well, in these last two games, he's definitely given us more, hasn't he? Two assists. I know he's not going to get the assists because, you know, the way it's done, it's the last touch of the ball and all that nonsense. But they're basically assists in all but name. And that's all you can ask for, isn't it? Impact the game. And he's done it twice now. Yeah, and those are the ones that would be the eye-catching one, wouldn't they? But um, I thought that his um, play with his back to goal and holding up was a lot better and a lot more improved than it had been from the early season when there was often times you could maybe knock him off the ball or nick the ball off him. I think his um, protection of the football seemed a lot more um, comfortable and I was 
when he had the and it needed to be as well because the Liverpool players were on you so quickly and in the numbers as well as we spoke about that Sambi one was the exceptional example but it was all over the pitch and he did well there to um, hold off the ball because otherwise it, it it just keeps keeps coming back and it, I mean, it feels like it did anyway but um, there were periods in the game when that was not the case and, and Tahith Chong did well there so I thought he was very good and he's so yeah that's all we wanted from him was just to take his chance and, and, and keep in there and you, you always feel that when he is on there that there's more speed uh, in, in the attack as well uh, and well we saw that when he when he absolutely destroyed Luton in a Birmingham shirt didn't we but it's the other aspects of the game that needed to probably come up to scratch and I think he's learning Yep, there's a couple of times that he chased Connor Bradley, but Jesus Christ, how good is he, by the way? Mm. Connor Bradley. Um, a couple of times he chased him back after he'd got beyond Alfie Doughty and kind of got back with him, having given him a sort of standing start. So, uh, yeah, no credit to Chongy. And it's that, that obviously, if Sambi is injured and we do need to employ Clark in that deeper role, then that's going to open up that position for chong maybe in the longer term so yeah no fair play to those two it's not easy coming into a side from the fringes to play against manchester united and liverpool like those two have done you know and they're not playing average joes here they're playing against two of the biggest clubs in the world and uh, to impress like they did there's some positives so we always try and pick out some positives from it ultimately hands up we just got done by a damn good side and that's going to happen we always knew it was going to happen in this league but we gave everything we've got and there was more than enough reason to be proud. But we'll park this one. It's not going to define our season, as I say, unless that Sambi injury is particularly bad. And we really, really hope it isn't. Yeah, we really do, because he is an exceptional uh, footballer. And um, yeah, I've got a few Arsenal mates who are now suddenly interested in, because of his, his performances, where I've never, ever heard them talking about him ever before. But the you know one of them was saying, well, party's on his way out next season, and he can come in and fill there. And I'm thinking, well, if Arteta doesn't fancy him now, we'll have him whatever the price because he is that good. And um, yeah, it, it would change the dynamic, and um, they'd have to come up with different solutions if he's out. So fingers crossed, he's not. I just yeah, I don't think he's going to play against Man City. I, I wouldn't even risk him. And then we'll see after that. There's a bit of a um, longer break, isn't there? After that one. Yep. Didn't enjoy the result, but I did enjoy my night. It's one of English football's iconic venues. And fair play. And the steward in the um, block that I was in, he was like, as we went out, he was like, I'll see you all next year. Really want you all to be back here next year. And sort of, you've got to grips with it. And he gave us a good game and everything else. And I thought, you know what, fair play. And um, yeah, it was good. Just a shame that, you know, we couldn't hold on. But let's be honest. That would have been a real, real, real tough task. But we gave it everything we had. And that's all we want. That's it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks very much for all your comments. Uh, please do keep them coming in. We do read all of them, albeit not so much time to uh, give us your comments on that one, but just because of the speed that these games are coming along. Just before we finish uh, the annual quiz, the Trust Annual Quiz, is on the 5th of March, Tuesday the 5th of March, 7pm, inside the Eric Morecambe Lounge. There are a few tickets still available, but they are starting to sell very, very quickly. So if you want to test your general knowledge against some staff members from Luton Town and against your own fellow supporters, on what is always a fun night inside the Eric Morecambe, head to our website or the social media feeds for the links to get your ticket. £5 for trust members, £10 for non-trust members, and you are guaranteed a great night. And there is a cash bar, sorry, card bar, 
uh, inside the Eric Morecambe as well for those who want a drink on the evening. So we hope to see you there. James, thanks for keeping me company and reflecting on a night of maybe what might have been, but probably what was always going to be. Yeah, but for 44 minutes, eh? Those glorious 44 minutes. Yep. Thanks to the Hightown Club for staging our studio as they always do. Thank you very much to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our intro music and of course to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs that you see on set. Until next time, which will be a preview of a game against, let me check my notes. Oh my God, the Premier League champions are next up. And European champions. <laughs> and European champions. And world champions. And world champions and FA Cup champions and any other champions that they can be, Manchester City. Until next time, come on Yatters. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're local people.